If I told you half the things I've heard about this Jabba the Hutt, you'd probably shot something. I hear Jabba. Been waiting. Hello, Blubberverse, and you are very welcome to episode 8 of Blubba the Hut 2.0. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome and will gladly pay you the reward of 25000 So the only thing that you can tell me is that I will find Jabba at Jabba's palace. I'm your host, Kate, all the way from Arizona, and once again, I'm joined by the one and only Plo Cool. How's it going, Gary? It's good to be back, Kate. How are you? Doing pretty well. Star Wars is in the air, and we have lots to talk about. Let's get into it. So, shall we start off with our weeks, or, well, multiple weeks in Star Wars? Oh, Oh, wait, actually, actually, let's talk about Force Friday, because we haven't talked about that yet. I'll sum it up in one way. (laughs) Fart noises will always get a laugh from me. (laughs) Absolutely terrible. Yeah. Completely and utterly dreadful. It was, yeah, not exactly what I was expecting for sure. Now, I know in Ireland there was a little bit of a catch in that we had the, the potential hurricane coming. So I know a lot of stock was potentially delayed. Hmm. So that may have slightly attributed to that. But in terms of Force Friday's past, it's it was night and day. It was just terrible. I 100% agree with that, even over here in the States. It just, like for The Force Awakens and The, uh, <coughs> the Last Jedi... The, those events were so fun and memorable. And then I couldn't even find a midnight thing happening anywhere around here. So, I mean, right away, like, it wasn't an, an event. It was just going to a couple stores. <laughs> so, and then, so the other thing, I don't know if it was like this over there. But I guess Disney figures, since, hey, we got two really big movies coming out, Frozen and Star Wars. Let's have them both, let's have them share their Friday merchandising day. So there was like Frozen Fan Fest or something like that, taking away a lot of the attention from Star Wars. It was just peculiar, you know, I I can't put my finger on it in any way, shape, nor form. It just... I don't know, there was, there was just something off about the entire thing. It's just, it doesn't seem like there's the fanfare and the excitement leading up to the movie this time. Are you feeling that? I'm de- I'm definitely not feeling that, but, you know, it's... There's a lot of unknowns with the Skywalker saga ending and the emergence of Disney Plus and everything that's coming with that. Then when we look further down the line, we have... What, potentially three new trilogies? So, you know, it, there's a, a lot of unknowns and a lot of uncertainty with what direction we're we're going to, to be going in. But it seemed like Force Friday was just a mismatch, a, a mismatch of everything. You know, it was tossed in with the Mandalorian merchandise, which I have seen absolutely nothing of. Same um, here. The only... 
black series that I actually seen in the Disney store was the new Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. That was it. Wow. Yeah, and even with some stuff like that, it was more sort of the the Lego or, you know, the, the Nerf guns for the Sith Trooper and the children's costumes. I I bought nothing on Force Friday. What? That, sh- that shocked my family more than anything else. That surprises me. I, I, nothing. I, I mean, literally, Kate, I bought nothing. Wow. So, I got a few things. Mostly droid related. <laughs> Did you get the the special edition plushie pack? I didn't. Um, I was going to get it, but it was like $50. And I was like, eh, I don't feel like spending that much. Was that the, the one that came in three? Yeah. I thought that was so, cool. I think a lot of this stuff will probably go on clearance. So I'm kind of waiting around. <laughs> But I did get, I did get a smaller, or like, um, a single D.O. plushie that actually spins around and makes his little beeping sounds. Oh, should I put him on? Oh, there he is. (laughs) It's so cute. Yeah, Kate, there you go. Okay. So, so yeah, I got that, and then I got the Funko Pop Dio and the Funko Pop BB-8, and the little, is it Hasbro? Droid 3-pack, so it's got R2, BB-8, and Dio. I've been collecting those mystery minis, too, so I have four of those so far. Then, I was persuaded to buy the, um, I think it's also, is it Hasbro? The Black Series box, mystery box, mm-hmm. which I was not super thrilled with because I'm not super dark side or first order, but it was all like snow trooper stuff in it. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of cool, but what was really cool was that it had the the comic in there for Star Wars Alliance, Alliances. Oh, yes, yes. Um... So I got to read that a couple of days early, which was pretty cool. Sweet. So that was really good. Have you read that yet? I guess there's probably another one out by now. Or maybe multiple, depending on when this is released. <laughs> um, I don't think I have because I haven't been to pick up my comic stash since I got back from Florida with work just being crazy. Gotcha. So I'd say I've got maybe 15 to 20 comics that I need to... <laughs> To catch up on, which I will be doing coming My up, to, coming up to Christmas. Yeah, I've got. And then a, there's a... going to be the Kylo Ren one. Oh yeah. Oh yes. But yeah, so that was pretty much it, I think. So I kind of bought a lot <laughs> for Force Friday, even despite it being kind of a disappointment. But, but yeah, I wish there would have been a lot more. You know, like there was no like giant. Porgs <laughs> that you can win, and there was nobody waiting in line, and there just wasn't a lot of fun stuff like that. So it was kind of sad. Wah wah. Oh. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, and then just a sidebar on that about Dio. 
if you like deal like I do, I did do a little shopping guide over on nerdaparadise.net. And we shared if it on want... the Facebook page, too. And and the, all the social media, I think. Or at least Twitter. But anyway, if you want to, if you're looking for awesome Dio stuff, check it out. <laughs> Just a little plug there. He is pretty cool. <laughs> I I like the descriptions of him that he like he's basically like worshiping BB-8. I've heard some that he's like he's like following him and trying to be like him, but I've also read I thought I read somewhere that BB-8 like created him kind of. So he's kind of like his dad. <laughs> was um was he not created by Babu Frick that people have been going crazy about? Oh, that's true. Yeah. He's the droid smith. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, that's probably right. Babu Frick. He's pretty cute. Yeah, people seem to go nuts for that character. Well, we need a cute character to go nuts over, you know? Oh, yeah. He reminds me of Prince, <laughs> the cat. Oh. He's got, like, that squished up little nose. Yeah, but he doesn't look like the devil. <laughs> Poor Prince. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, little cat. He does have big. He does have big, uh, big eyebrows like Prince. I know he does, and he's got the whiskers that go everywhere. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anything else that you've been up to recently, Star Wars related? Um, no. the The biggest thing that I've been doing is trying to assemble the rest of the the Star Wars uh, OSTs on vinyl. That's sort of been my my goal the last while. Oh, that sounds like fun. But my most recent Star Wars thing, which we should probably alert people to, was that if you didn't know, folks, you are finally getting a Art of Star Wars Rebels book. Woohoo! Finally. When does that come out? It's sometime, I think it's March 2020. Wow. Yeah, I think it's sometime next year. And it looks there pretty is, massive. There is a standard edition, but for those who were quick enough, there is a collector slash limited edition. Woo, is that the one you got? Oh yes. Very cool. Yeah. And it is being done by Daniel Wallace. Those of you who are familiar with the Book of Sith and the Book of the Jedi and things like that. Mmm. That should be very insightful. And for those of you who are interested, it was presently, li- it was listed at $100, so $99.99. It is mm-hmm. currently 36% off, what? so it is $64 on Amazon.com. So There you go, folks. Get on that. Yep, so if you would like to uh, pre-order that, get on that quickly. Alright, so do we have anything else Star Wars related before we get into our Thrawn discussion? Well, we do have the trailer dropping Monday and I believe we're going to try record a a little maybe 15-20 minute segment of our our thoughts on the trailer. For sure. And we'll maybe do a, a look back on the previous trailers and give our Give our final thoughts before we we get going. And tickets should be going on sale on Monday. Uh, I think it's Tuesday for us here in Ireland. 
Oh, gotcha. Yeah. But soon. Very soon, yes. Soon. So, shall we get to it? Let's do it. You want to do the honors this time? Punch it, Chewy. All right. So, I thought maybe we could start off this segment with our best Thrawn impressions. <laughs> <clears throat> Go ahead. So, what what were you hoping for us to say? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think this through. Yeah, you really didn't think this through, did you? <laughs> Just something very thrawny. Thrawny is is that another one of your Kateisms? Mm-hmm. This dictionary's getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> you know it. Yeah, like that's um well since you suggested a Kate, I'll say ladies <laughs> first. Um <laughs> uh... Hello, my name is Thrawn. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Quickly, just quickly move on, Kate. Just move along, move along quickly. <laughs> I'm very smart and I am smarter than you and I can figure out what you're going to do. That's my Thrawn impression. <laughs> yes, brilliant, I know. Quick, move along, move along. Is that your Thrawn? No, I'm telling you, move along, move along. That was terrible. <laughs> we're lo- we're losing viewers as we speak. Go. <laughs> well, then get them back with your impression. There are things in the universe that are simply and purely evil. A warrior does not <laughs> seek to understand them or compromise with them. He seeks only to obliterate them. There you go. Beautiful. Award-winning performance there. Oh, yeah. awesome okay so we're gonna be talking about thrawn treason which is the third book in the trilogy what what are your initial thoughts about this book i think without question it was the strongest of the three wow yeah i i think without question it was it was the strongest of the three and it had a lot of things going for it in that the second book, which was Alliances, which you, if you haven't read, was, was quite good as well. It set up a lot of potential avenues to go down. But in particular, I think most people were most interested in this book being set within the Rebels timeline. Mm-hmm. Which for a lot of people that I had spoken to was a big draw. In that it takes place just before Thrawn's trip to Lethal. Mm-hmm. And that timeline seems to be quite rich and poignant in terms of storytelling and canon at present. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of branches and alleyways that, you know, a story could go down with links to Rogue One and and things of that nature so i think this from the outset was a book that was going to cover a lot of angles which we'll talk about a little bit more as we go on but i think it was one of the strengths of the book that there were so many little intricate plot lines and stories that interweave together Mm -hmm. but for me overall it was the strongest of the three and i know i'm heavily 
biased regards <laughs> Timothy Zahn and Thrawn but honestly I thought I thought the book was fantastic yes so I think you probably liked it a little bit more than I did <laughs> mm-hmm. what score would you give it oh for me it was a 10 without question uh-huh. but I have but I have fair. multiple re- I have multiple reasons for that I'm I'm gonna give it like a seven okay and we'll talk about why I did that too so yeah all right so this I usually we're kind of more on the same page but with Thrawn <laughs> we are going to be varying a little more I sense <laughs> yeah that's that's totally cool. I know that that's the great thing about Star Wars is something for everyone and some things people like a little more and hey it's all good man. Yeah. All right. So if I may make a suggestion first if I was guessing Kate <laughs> would would your score have been lowered potentially because you felt this book was a bit of a slow burner? Um yeah kind of. Okay. That's part of it. Yeah, I, I can say. I can kind of guess what route you're going to be going down, but yeah, we can <laughs> we can discuss that later well, on. Wait, it'll all come out yeah. by the end. Okay, so shall we just start with maybe like a a brief overview for people who haven't read this? Yeah, absolutely. All right, go ahead. So. Following on from this, as we said, it is set in the Star Wars, um, in the Star Wars Rebels timeline, and the easiest way that we could sort of describe this is, I suppose the the same problem shown from different perspectives, and what mm. I mean by that is, um, I think maybe describing the very very first scene in the book, Kate w- would set this up one of the very, very first scenes we see in the book is the meeting of Thrawn with Palpatine, Grand Moff Tarkin and Orson Krennic. Mm-hmm. And the basic premise is that they are having issues with the supply line providing parts to the Death Star. Right. Stardust Project. St- Stardust Project, yes. <laughs> and in that, the issue plaguing them are a species called the, the... How are they pronounced in the audiobook, Kate? Did you listen? Were they Grisk or Grisk? Ah, uh, Grisk. 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 Grisk, okay. So the Grisk, which are a aggressive species that have sort of been causing uproar throughout the supply lines to the the Death Star and and its building. Right. And they pose a significant threat to the timeline of the building of the Stardust Project. Yeah. For which, of course, our beloved director Krennic is unable to solve the problem. <laughs> so he, in his devious little ways, decides to use the Empire's most superior tactical mastermind as essentially I suppose you would you would call it stateside pest control right for which upon reading that scene Kate I think we could at least agree on 
I didn't believe for one second that that's what the issue was. Right. There was absolutely no way. There was way more to that than meets the eye. Yeah. And I read through quite a few um, like reviews and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember which one it was, but someone said they really regretted... Because this was one of the like early excerpts that you could read. And it and gave like, them a negative impact on from. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I read that, I read you that, saw that as well. Too. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And then he said, should have just trusted that it that it would get better. But it, it just left a bad taste in their mouth. Like, yeah. yeah. But would, would we both be in agreement then the first time we read that we said, no way, there is much more to this than the meets the yeah. eye? Yeah. Definitely, I would agree. Yeah, so there was no way Thrawn was going to be pest control. Right. So anyway, um, that is the basic premise that these creatures are causing havoc on supply lines towards building Project Stardust, which is of course the Death Star. And Krennic decides to play a little game of chess with Thrawn. Why he would do <laughs> that, I have absolutely no idea. Was it like the little holographic chess <laughs> game? <laughs> oh, yeah. But what the premise is, is that as we are aware, and this is again our link to Rebels, Grand Admiral Thrawn is heavily involved in the TIE Defender project. Mm-hmm. But Orson Krennic wants the money, the Imperial funds for the further building of the Death Star. Right. So Orson Krennic presents a challenge to Thrawn in that he gives him one week to solve the problem and whoever triumphs wins the funding for their project. And the rest is history. (laughs) So point number one, I would say, so maybe this is where I'm thinking you may have dropped the marks down um, a little bit, Kate, that... Uh This was a bit of a shorter novel, wasn't it? Through the three hundred and something pages. Um, I'm not sure, but sure. <laughs> but it was very, oh, it was very heavy. Um, it was very heavily focused on Thrawn, his mindset, his strategies, and his execution of those, which I think for some people it was a bit of a slow burner in that. In in the overall picture of things, we would see the same issue from different points of view, which is what Timothy Zahn does very well. He gives us points of view from multiple angles on the same issue. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people might have potentially gotten lost mm-hmm. in the writing at times because it was quite heavy. Right. In so that, that sense. I guess that's part of it. I don't mm-hmm. know if we want to talk uh, talk about it here, but like I don't know, like imperial storylines aren't necessarily my thing, and yeah, yeah. like I, I just they're hard to keep straight. Especially I don't know if it made a difference with the audio version. Mm-hmm. It was really hard to keep them all straight in my head. So that's part of it too. Well, yeah. So that that's yeah. So that seems to have been some of the 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 negatives that I am um, that I would have been hearing, which which is understandable, it was quite heavy, and that there were a lot of plot lines and a lot of chess moves going on in the background mm-hmm. as well. So some people don't like that. I love it. So right. that was why for me it was 
it was great. But again, I, I can totally see the point of view of people, you know, phased out or zoned out with uh, with respect to that. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we got lots more to talk about. So, I mean, I think Seven is a, that's no, by no means like a bad book in my opinion. So there's a lot of good stuff that we'll talk about too. So can we talk about something I liked? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go for it. So the the girls, the Chiss girls. So the navigators. Yes. So I thought that was, it was very interesting. Very, very interesting. And I think, you know, it, it left it where there's still a lot we can probably find out about these girls. And I th- do you think... Obviously, we probably should have said this earlier too, but spoilers. <laughs> I think it's been long enough, right? I, I had the books out by that. now. Yeah, it's pretty okay. It's been out a while, um, but yeah. So basically, he was he was sent by Thrawn to study all this information, and he didn't realize it at first. But it was all this, uh, all the data about these navigator girls and how. They do it, why they do it, why they lose that abil- that Force-sensitive, apparently, ability. Um, but I thought that is a very, very cool feature. Yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. So again, to kind of sum it up for people, it's essentially that these young chis- children, they have um, the gift of, I suppose, precognition. Is it is all the children the- or just the girls? I think it's predominantly the the young females. Yeah, because I didn't hear about any boys. But, yeah, so they're essentially given the the gift of precognition, so force and um, precognition. But it's sort of combined with um, what they were calling towards sight. Right. So it's almost like a a, a sort of advanced form of obviously they are called navigators but a a very advanced compass and it was very very interesting to see in that when we look at the likes of of Thrawn we always wanted to learn a little bit more about the the Chiss ascendancy you know the the people the culture you know are all Chiss like Thrawn Mm -hmm. um for the most part they're not I think this in particular was uh, a curveball. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one that was very welcome because it offered a different angle to two convergent timelines, which which we see in the book. Yeah. And that was something personally of which I didn't expect. Yeah. But it's... But... It, it it essentially gave us the point that um the chiss need navigators to leave their home system mm-hmm. because there are a lot of spatial distortions and issues in wild space mm-hmm. so those children who are force sensitive are able to navigate their way through those uh, disturbances interesting and again, a, a very, a very unique concept and a welcome one, I would have to say. Yeah, I 
Do you think Eli will crack the code? I th- I think if there was anyone that could crack the code, Eli could. And you you know my feelings towards Vanto, which we we will talk about <laughs> at a, you know at a at a later stage. But um, that that was a a, a storyline that opens a lot of avenues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree for other force sensitive species for sure. I think that that was the the biggest head turner of the book. Yeah. You know, when you first read that, you know, you're going, whoa, what is this? Yeah. And then there's the second sight too, which is... Oh, yes, that was... That's, that another... kind of reminds me of, like, Vulcan mind meld. Yeah, actually. And I, I think a lot of people were comparing that to... Um, Ray and Kylo when they're on Starkiller base. That is true. That seems to be, you know, the the intertwining or the interlinking of minds and consciousness. True. Some interesting parallels there. It is, but but also somebody I think pointed out that potentially that's what could have happened between Maul and Ezra. Hmm. That is a good thought. Yeah, so there are a, a, a lot of Easter eggs in this book, shall we say. Yeah. So, should we talk more about Eli? I'd actually like to leave Eli for a bit and talk about some other characters which were um very, very welcome in the book. Go ahead. So, we learnt about some of, some more of Thrawn's other protégés. Yes. So that was nice to see, you know, uh, a breakout of um, of new characters for which we should say we did get to expand on. um, We do get to see a lot more of Thrawn in the I don't want to say the mentor role. That's probably not right. But, you know, him being sort of the. The master of everything. Mm-hmm. And seeing his links. So the first one for me was Commodore Faro. Yeah. She was pretty cool. What a sensation what a sensational character. Yeah. Like that was a character who jumped off the page. She was and she was a a human and quite a young officer and she is already wasn't she already thrown second in command at the beginning or yes didn't she serve under thrown on the chimera yeah i think so and then she went to the the seventh fleet where she built up to to commodore and her um interwoven relationship where with admiral savit was was very interesting yes but also we see um the mindset of thrown in this in this area with respect to his relationship with Pharaoh because she was recommended for um a transfer slash promotion she was promised command of her her own um her own fleet i think it was task force 231 and despite her being thrones 
right hand, you know, his his essentially his second in command, he recommended against our transferring. Mm-hmm. For the simple reason of which we finally learned that he did he thought the promotion wasn't good enough for her in that he wanted her to lead an entire fleet. Yeah. Kind of going back to Star Trek again. Doesn't that kind of remind you of maybe like um number one not not wanting to become captain? <laughs> Yeah, it it's it certainly does. But um to to look at it another way, Kate, now maybe you'll you'll sort of disagree with me with this. I looked at her as kind of a moral compass. And what I mean by that is she was very blunt and upfront towards other officers. Mm-hmm. But she, in what she saw with Thrawn and Vanto, she actually saw their qualities separately she didn't see them as one and the same you know Eli having been the protege of Thrawn Mm -hmm. she was able to totally separate them and see that both of them possessed you know leader leadership skills and that in itself is a good leadership skill it isn't it is indeed and I'd go so far as to say that she actually wasn't a bad tactician herself yeah I would agree I think a lot of the characters who work on their throne have to have that little bit of a uh, that little bit of uh, a little bit of guile, a little bit of craft. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So she was a nice um she was a nice addition to the the plots in the sense that I think it made Thrawn more relatable in that it showed that he was much more trusting of people than we would give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, I mean, as far as Thrawn, like, you almost forget he's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You you do. You, you lose sight of that and you just get drawn into this incredible mind, you know, this military tactician, right. this genius and jack of all trades so like i want i wonder what would have happened if you had just ended up with the rebels instead very interesting <laughs> it would be but then to to switch around then from that kate add a bit of a a bit of a tailspin to it <laughs> we look at somebody you know who was clearly being groomed for a for a for greater things in Commodore Faro to someone who was completely infatuated all for the wrong <laughs> reasons with Orson Krennic. Yeah, are you talking about Ronan? Yes, so <laughs> assistant director Briley Ronan. Oh god, you poor, poor, poor man. <laughs> I mean he was really portrayed as like a bumbling like kiss up, basically. A kiss yeah. ass. Yeah. Bootlicker. <laughs> so, so yeah, there was him, and then he even like he like worshipped Krennic, and he even wore a cape to imitate him. <laughs> oh yeah, he he idolized um, he idolized Krennic, and essentially his role was to try and delay Thrawn 
as much as mm-hmm. possible. And from the get-go, which I I think worked really well, I don't know whether it was supposed or not, but you could just see that this bumbling fool <laughs> was absolutely no match for Thrawn in any way, shape, nor <laughs> form. Yep. But what I love was, and again, I don't know whether this was intentional or not, that Ronan had heard everything about Thrawn and was seeing it in the flesh mm-hmm. and yet would come up with these absolutely kooky ideas <laughs> to explain how Thrawn was able <laughs> to do this. Uh, that's awesome. But he did, though. I mean, there was one quote in the book where I think... Didn't he try to turn Commodore Farrow against Thrawn when he told her that Tron was the one who actually blocked her reassignment? Yeah. <laughs> what a little... I don't even know what to say. <laughs> but, I mean, from the Weasel? get-go, his initial mission was to help Thrawn clear Gralox right. from a cargo point. Right. You know, I, I, I don't understand it at all. It was from the get-go, it was almost like the character was there to add comedic relief. Mm-hmm. You know who... That's certainly how I... You've seen the movie Pocahontas, I assume... Oh, he, yeah. Like, he reminds me of, like, you know, the, the one guy that's, like, the servant for the the um, captain on the ship coming over? You know who I'm talking Oh, I just... <laughs> you, you're much nicer. You're much nicer than I am. I was just thinking Igor from Frankenstein. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, though, it was such a yin and a yang relationship. Yeah. No match at all. No. But I mean, even then, if we break away then and we look to, if we switch to the Chiss Ascendancy then when we talk about new characters, if we look at uh, Admiral Alani of the Chiss Ascendancy, she is amazing. Yeah, she was pretty cool. And she was a, uh, you know, she, she was... She was quite different from Thrawn. Mm-hmm. I think she was very, very cool, very calculating. But I would go so far as to say she maybe had a, just as good a poker face as Thrawn. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and we will get on to this, Eli Vanto was actually serving as a lieutenant in the Chiss defence mm-hmm. fleet. Aboard the the steadfast. She she seems like a female Thrawn to me. <laughs> In some ways, she does because also, when Thrawn actually fails to, uh, when they were dealing with the Grissics, Thrawn was supposed to send a a report or check in with the the high command. Mm-hmm. It turned out then that Admiral Alani was actually in direct contact with one of Thrawn's allies, somebody who Director Krennic did not like very much at all. She was Grand Moff Tarkin's mole. 
and she was feeding Moff Tarkin reports you know on the off chance that Ronan went rogue hmm. and something that I think was quite poignant in the book was that you actually get to see the respect that the Chiss officers had for her mm-hmm. In particular, you know, the the relationship with the Navigators. Yeah. And I think Thrawn and uh, Arlani's relationship when they interacted, I thought that was brilliant. Mm -hmm. And again, it brought back in Thrawn's trust in Commodore Faro. Because when they are actually on the ship, Faro was in charge of overseeing the 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 study for what was going to be um of of the data that they had received and that Thrawn actually placed Pharaoh in to instruct the the Chimera's helm mm-hmm. you know just to show Erlani that he trusted Pharaoh with everything yeah. some very really interesting um perspectives i guess since you know it's it's like it's switching back and forth from the empire to the ascendancy and like who's going to be obviously with the title treason like who's going to be loyal who's treasonous so that that was some some pretty interesting stuff happening there too it was and i think that's one of timothy zan's strengths is that he is able to chop and change but yet show you the show you the different perspectives of everyone uh, i suppose of of each side of the story and interlink was them. there anyone in this book who wasn't accused of treason at some point <laughs> i um navigator vanya maybe <laughs> the empire i mean the emperor <laughs> um yeah. I don't actually think oh um there was actually one um who was the the censor officer um officer Hamley Ham Hammerley wasn't the accused oh okay <laughs> Hammerley Hammerley was the officer who um discovered the cloak bombs oh, okay anyways <laughs> just a side point. So basically the one who admits to treason is is he a Grand Admiral? Grand Admiral seat. She. It's a woman? She. What? Yeah, wasn't she a woman? Really? I think Savit was a woman, was she not? <laughs> I thought it was a man. <laughs> oh no, it's not I'm I'm getting confused, sorry, no. Savit was a Savith was a was a male. Sorry, sorry, my bad. <laughs> I was gonna say it if I went through. Yeah. A... Sorry, Savith was the um Savith was the commanding officer of the fire drake. I was like, if I went through this whole thing, and didn't even realize <laughs> that. Wow. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. That's the same rank as Thrawn, right? Grand Admiral. Grand Admiral. So they're kind yeah. of like peers, and you think <clears throat> he's like a good or. It's hard to di- differentiate good guys and bad guys, I guess, when you're, when the whole book's about the Empire, but 
Um, yeah, he basically ends up to be the one who admits to all-out treason. So he was he was doing th- thefts for the Stardust project, uh, but he believes he was doing it for the greater good. So did it really get in? And then I don't think it really got into his punishment or anything like that, did it? No, it didn't. But essentially, Savit was the one who majorly underestimated Thrawn more than anyone else. Yeah. For the simple reason, um, Admiral Savit was familiar or his notoriety was known because his family um, were involved in a musical program. Right. That they were musicians, they were musicians and involved with, with things of that nature. And Savit was familiar with Tron's reputation for learning about other species through their the art, through their yeah. art, and through their their culture, and he believed that that was just how Thrawn learned. So he he would have nothing to worry about because he wasn't a a big collector mm-hmm. of art, or he wasn't into that. However, mm-hmm. he he underestimated Thrawn majorly in that. Music and instruments are a form of art. Right, that was brilliant. And Thrawn was able to. It it was incredible. Yep. So Thrawn was able to work out everything mm-hmm. by his um craft. And actually, Kate, surprisingly enough, I actually have the quote from Thrawn. Go for it. For what uh, Thrawn says to Admiral Savit when everything is revealed. And this was a very poignant moment in the book. And after everything has come out, Thrawn says to Admiral Savit, Most important of all, no matter how your expertise in ambition grew, you were always in the midst of it. (laughs) You conduct it, you arrange, and you continue to perform your creations in tandem with your other performers. Mm -hmm. That combination, that total immersion in your craft is what has defined you. Yeah, that was good. So, in a sense, Thrawn was able to deduce everything Mm -hmm. from this form of art for which the... Grand Admiral did not believe that he could. Yeah, that's a severe misunderstimation. Major underestimation. Yep. Alright, so what else do we have to talk about? Can we talk about the main man? Eli? Yeah. Always. <laughs> so, for me, Kate, this is my favourite character to have come out of Star Wars literature. Wow. In a long, long time. Yeah. What what really? what attracts you to him so much? What attracted me to him so much was that Thrawn was fascinated by this human. Mm-hmm. And so much so that obviously he sent him to work for the Chiss Ascendancy. Yep. A human. Which, of course, he became known then as Eli Van Toe. Right, with 
he was actually given a Chiss name. It's pretty cool. So to give folks a bit of a backstory, those of you who had read um, the second book, the big question that was asked is, where was Eli Vanto? And we even asked that. <laughs> we did. And now, of course, we have our answer. So Eli Vanto was serving aboard the Steadfast and he was under the command of Admiral Alani. Mm-hmm. And as everyone is aware, Eli's gift, is that he his mind is incredible and analysing data and discovering patterns mm-hmm. are what he does. And one thing that I never really realised, Kate, until the end of the book was that he was a reverse of Thrawn. Hmm. How do you mean? And what I mean by and what I mean by that is Thrawn was the only chiss in the Empire and now Vanto was the only human among the Chiss ascendancy. Yeah, that's that was a really cool aspect. That they're like it's like yin yang kind of. Yeah, absolutely. But then to follow on with that, right? So obviously he was thought to have been a defector, and that he, you yeah. know, he had betrayed the empire, which left him in a unique position that the Chiss didn't trust him in any way, shape, nor form. Mm-hmm. So when he went back to the humans, they didn't trust him either. Yep. But obviously he does prove his worth um, to the Chiss. And the data that he was analysing was the data about which which you pointed Mm -hmm. out was about the navigators. Trying to crack the code of, is it possible to identify these navigators? How do they work? Mm-hmm. But also, um, one quite interesting plot, Kate, we mentioned her only a little bit, was um, Senior Navigator Vanya, mm-hmm. was that she had kept her gift. Oh, actually, she had regained her gift despite passing an age where others lose yeah. it. So obviously, if they could crack that code and apply it to all these other children that would be a definite advantage it would be absolutely and that that mission and that data work that he did even impressed the chiss ascendancy so much that he was promoted to lieutenant Love commander that. which was something he could which is fun- he couldn't get that from the empire correct yep i thought that was kind of funny it it definitely was and he played a major role in that he provided a distraction from obviously what admiral savit had been doing and allowed thron to actually outmaneuver mm-hmm. him but i think one thing we we kind of didn't point out kate was that um admiral savat was obviously found to be guilty of treason but it was essentially because he didn't believe in Project Stardust in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And he was essentially the only character who proudly admitted treason. Yep. And you see and you see a lot of um a lot of character change in one book, which I think was was nice, Kate. And what I mean by that is we see Ronan eventually ending up 
admiring Thrawn. <laughs> Even though he still tries to outmaneuver him, why on earth he would do that, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> but also then, Tron gets the ultimate revenge when Thrawn suggests that Vader should be added to the command of the Death Star. <laughs> so that obviously Vader would be able to read Ronan's thoughts. <laughs> but in the end, that doesn't happen and Thrawn throws an absolute curveball. Mm-hmm. In that Ronan ends up going along to serve with the Chiss Ascendancy. <laughs> Very interesting. I kind of, like, I liked learning more about the Chiss Ascendancy um, mm-hmm. and Eli. Like, I think it would have been cool to have a book just about Eli's first year over there. Mm-hmm. But maybe we'll get more... Um, books or comics i don't know but well you know we're getting a new trilogy but is it gonna be about thrawn no it's the the origins of the chiss ascendancy oh it's the origins of it yeah i believe so yeah what well that could be interesting yeah yeah i believe it's the origins would, of, of thrawn and the I chiss bet ascendancy. there'll be a lot more about the girl the navigators in that do you think potentially that could be cool. It could definitely be, but um, yeah. To 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 step away from that for a minute to go back to sort of the little intricate details that we have, Thrawn obviously fully accomplished his mission. Mm-hmm. Poor Orson Krennic is not very very happy at <laughs> all. And of course, Grand Moff Tarkin sits there with a big 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 smile on his face. <laughs> Indeed. So let's talk about the emperor. That's what I was actually going to say to you. The the epi- the epilogue. Yeah. Of the so book. let's talk about that, and then for me, that was the most fascinating. Um, Very thing. much. That so. ended just with a. That ended just with a bombshell. Yeah. So what do you make of that? So to explain it, the epilogue was told from the perspective of the emperor, mm-hmm. and we find out why. He has been so loyal and so fascinated with the Chiss and with Thrawn. Yep. And it turns out then that in a nutshell, he is obsessed because he doesn't essentially know whether the Chiss are a threat that need to be neutralized or someone he can partner with and eventually rule over. Yep. So... That's kind of where it leaves off with him telling Thrawn, we're going to have a long discussion. But unfortunately, folks, that discussion takes doesn't take place because of a certain young Jedi. <laughs> and some pergils. And some pergils. <laughs> this has made me want to go back and rewatch Rebels. I will say that. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, so do you think this is going to factor in with the rise of Skywalker at all with the Emperor? I've I've stopped believing in false horizons. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, so let's wrap things up. Any final thoughts on Thrawn? I think it was nice to see the Empire be unsure of something for once. Mm-hmm. 
And what I mean by that is the Empire is actually the Emperor seems to actually be questioning his own judgment hmm. of Thrawn and where his loyalties mm-hmm. lie. I think they made a very good choice in bringing Thrawn back to canon. And I mean, overall, I think people have been pretty happy with what's come out so far with Thrawn. And obviously enough so that they've made another trilogy coming out. So, yeah. And I really want the live action Thrawn. I'm sorry, but I do. Who would you cast as live action Thrawn? Oh, Christoph Waltz is my Thrawn. Alright, so I think that pretty much is going to do it for this episode. And you'll likely be hearing from us again very shortly with our thoughts on the trailer. So hopefully we can get this episode edited and released before then. As always, you can follow us on social media. At Twitter, we're at Hut, And then just look us up, Hut on Facebook. And then also Hut on Instagram. And then you can also follow our individual Twitters. I am at Kamadu. That's at K-A-M-I-D-U-U. And you can follow Gary at... I am at Plocool. At P-L-O underscore K-O-O-L. Fabulous. Alright, so... No shortage of Star Wars in the universe lately, so... Until next time, folks, may the Force be with you.